You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. So if you will, go ahead and stand with me. We're going to read from Luke chapter 2, just a couple verses. Luke chapter 2, verse, whoa, I better get to the right page. Verse 36, and it says, And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Let's pray together. God, we, we come before you humbly. Um, and we come before you to listen to your word. Lord, um, I pray that your worship would continue and that we would worship you through your word today. Lord, I pray that you would, um, your spirit would be speaking to us. Lord, um, that, that the words um, that you want to teach us would come from my mouth. And Lord, that we would learn from your word together today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat. Anna intentionally positioned herself to encounter Jesus by living a life of worship, okay? So if you don't know the the rest of this passage, this is part of the Christmas story. This comes 40 days after Jesus was born. So this is somewhere between the shepherds and the wise men, wise men, there was more than one, and, but Anna doesn't make it into your nativity scene, okay? So, but it's still part of the Christmas story here. Day 40, they take Jesus to the temple to be dedicated to the Lord. They meet a guy named Simeon. Uh, Simeon prophesies over him. And then as soon as he is finished, at that moment, Anna comes up. And we meet this lady named Anna. This is the only time in the Bible that we meet Anna. And we learn a few, just a few details about her in just a couple verses. And what we learn are some fascinating details and also some heartbreaking details. So let me catch you up a little bit. Let's talk about the lady here first. But here's what I want to say. This is not a sermon about Anna, although we're going to talk about Anna a lot, okay? This is a sermon about Jesus, and we're going to meet Jesus through the lens of Anna. This, the Christmas story is about Jesus. Um, the cool thing about Jesus is, and the Christmas story is, that at Christmas, people got to encounter Jesus. So, um, Anna was she's one of those people that really um, embodies that, that gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament. She was living in that time um, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, waiting on Jesus to come, waiting on the promised Messiah, and she's living in the painful circumstances of what we know is real life, okay? And we meet that here. She is from, it says, um, she was a prophetess, Anna. It says she's from the tribe of Asher. Now listen, we don't really know much about, well, there's very little to know about the tribe of Asher, okay? They're descendants of the eighth son of Jacob. We really don't know much about them. When they got to the promised land, they were given part of the land by the sea, and it says they were unable to drive out the Canaanites from the land, and so that brought its own consequences. Then, if you read farther into your Bible, when you get to Judges, uh, there's a funny story where, where Deborah, well, it's not funny, but she calls Deborah calls the nation of Israel to action and to fight against their enemies. And the Bible specifically says the tribe of Asher chose not to show up. It said they chose to stay by the sea, okay? They were like, nah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not coming, uh, okay? When you get to Chronicles, in Chronicles there's a passage of talking about all the tribal leaders from the tribes of Israel 
and it doesn't even mention a tribal leader from the tribe of Asher, okay? There really isn't much to know about them. They're of little notability, and actually, I believe, we meet here, the most important person from the tribe of Asher in your Bible is a 84-year-old widow lady named Anna, and that's who we meet here, okay? Um, a couple other details here about her. Anna was a woman who had known sorrow, but had not grown bitter. Look back with me there in the text. It says, she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. Listen, this is well over 60 years, probably 65 years since her husband had passed away. The text leads us to believe that she also didn't have any children. Okay, there are none listed here. Most most likely she didn't have any. She knew the pain of uh, those women that we've been studying all through our Christmas series, the women who were, were barren and childless. She knows that pain very well. She had lost her husband, and she allowed the sorrow of life to drive her closer to God, not to drive her away from God. She had chosen to live a life of worship, and she did that every Sunday morning. No. She did that day in and day out, night and day, worshiping in the temple. She had a lifestyle of worship. As I was studying this, I came across a quote that I really liked, talking about Anna and the sorrow that she had um, experienced. It says, sorrow can do one of two things. It can, make us, um, it can make us hard and bitter, resentful, and rebellious against God, or it can make us kinder, and softer and more sympathetic, it can spoil our faith or it can root our faith ever deeper. And that's what happened here with Anna. The sorrow and the circumstances of life drove her to a faith that was deeper and deeper rooted in God. She was living a life of worship and she did that for well over 60 years. Okay, And we're going to see three things today that Anna does coming out of that 60 years of worship, okay? What she is doing in worshiping night and day was she positioned herself to encounter Jesus. Point number one is position. Anna's intentional life of worship positioned her to encounter the presence of Jesus. Look with me. It says, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. I would just assume that word fasting not be there, but it is, okay? She worships the Lord through fasting and prayer. So Anna had chosen to devote her life to God, and she did this regularly, over and over and over. She had devoted her life to worship. Um, this is how she positioned herself to encounter Jesus, Okay? Unlike Simeon, she did not get a word from the Lord saying, don't worry, you're going to meet him before you die. Okay? God did not wake her up that morning and say, hey, you need to go, well, not that we know of, you need to go to the temple because Jesus is coming. No, the reason she gets to meet Jesus here in the Christmas story is because that's what she did every day. Okay? It didn't matter what day Jesus was coming to the temple, she was going to be there because she was living a life filled with worship. Okay? Her purpose in life was worship. Okay? That was her purpose. Listen to me. Her purpose was not to try and replace all the things she lost. 
Her purpose in life was not to try and succeed. It talks about how she was a prophetess here. We know she, God had spoken through her before, yet that alone was not her purpose. Her purpose was not to just speak on behalf of God. Her purpose in life was to come to the temple every day and worship him through fasting and prayer. And that purpose was enough. And she fulfilled that purpose for over 60 years. Now listen, I was talking to some, well, let me ask you, should our purpose be any different than Anna? Okay, I don't know, but if you're like me, you can find yourself with any number of purposes trying to distract you from this most important purpose of worship. I was talking to someone a month ago who does not come to Ridgecrest, um, and they are, they were very successful in their career. They have a great family. They have everything they could possibly need in life. They truly do. Um, and someone asked them what their purpose was in life, and it was actually kind of funny to watch. They didn't have an answer for that. Two weeks later, he was talking to me about it because two weeks later, he still had not figured out what is the answer to that question. What is his purpose, okay? He has far more than what Anna ever had, yet Anna had more purpose, okay? I would I'd probably guess um, everyone in this room probably has more in life than what Anna has here, yet Anna has more purpose than most of us because she understood her main purpose in life was to worship God. Anna was in a season, a long, long season of waiting, okay? She had been waiting for over 60 years. So that asks us the question, what do you do when you're waiting on God? If I take a guess, most of us, in some way or another, there is something in your life that you are waiting on God to do, okay? Um, that's actually the norm. You should expect to be waiting on God, um, and it's important. Um, in the waiting, what do you do? Here's the point. She did not fall inactive in her waiting. She didn't sit around twiddling her thumbs just waiting on God. In the waiting, she worshiped God. Day in and day out, she came praying and fasting and worshiping God. If you are in a season of waiting, let me just go ahead and give you the answer. What you're supposed to do in waiting is you're supposed to worship God. Do not fall inactive. Being inactive is lazy, okay? We want to be active in our waiting, and that is exactly what Anna was doing. Um, but she was also faithful for a very, very long time. This was not a couple weeks of waiting. I can't even wait a couple weeks, let alone 60 years. I am so impatient. I do not have, yeah. Uh, she waits 60 years. I guarantee you, in those 60 years, there were a few days that she woke up in the morning and didn't feel like worshiping God. I guarantee you there were a few weeks uh, that she woke up and felt like she was far from the presence of God, yet did that stop her from worshiping? No. She continues to worship every day, every night, um, and God was continuing to lead her through that, okay? If you're in a season of waiting, we worship through it. And so this is what was the, the context in which we meet this lady. She has positioned herself to encounter Jesus, and she did that through living a life of waiting in worship. Okay, listen, Christmas just is not as much fun as it was when I was a kid. And in preparing this sermon, I think I realized why, okay? As a kid, Christmas is so exciting because of the anticipation. I remember growing up, I always knew exactly how many gifts I had under the tree. I knew when one got added, I would shake the presents. I knew, oh, you for sure knew if you had more gifts than your brother or sister did. Um, you knew how big they were. You were trying to guess what was in them. You were anticipating and excited, and Christmas took forever, okay? 
But that waiting actually made Christmas more exciting. Christmas morning was more exciting because you'd been waiting and anticipating it. Now, I barely wrap my presents like a couple hours before they get opened. I don't take inventory. I don't shake my gifts. Uh, They're there. They'll be there when I get there. I got plenty of other things to be doing right now. And the lack of wait, that anticipation is important for the excitement of Christmas. And listen, write this down if you're taking notes. We will never appreciate Jesus fully until we learn to fervently worship while we wait. You should expect times of waiting in your life. God does that intentionally. You're not doing anything wrong, actually. God leads us always, over and over and over, to times of waiting. Read your Bible, and you'll meet a lot of people waiting. And when you, are worship, when you worship in your waiting, you will learn uh, to, to um, experience God to his fullest. We will never appreciate Jesus fully until we learn to fervently worship while we wait. So, are you in a season of waiting today? If you are, the only answer you're looking for is to worship in that waiting. If you are in a season where you feel far from God's presence, the answer is to be faithful like Anna, okay? 60 years of serving the Lord. It's not about today or this week. It's about faithfully serving the Lord. I was talking to someone just this morning, and they were talking about finishing well. It's not even about serving for years. It's about serving your entire life, faithfully waiting and worshiping on God. And that is exactly what Anna did here. And Anna's consistent worship of God paid off in an encounter with Jesus. Okay, so Jesus, they they bring Jesus to the temple. She meets him and look, the next thing we see, point number two is she immediately praises God. Okay, listen, When you encounter Jesus, the next response is always going to be praise. When we encounter Jesus, it demands our praise. And if you are not filled with praise of Jesus, then my guess is you have not actually encountered Jesus. Because when you encounter Jesus, you know it, and it fills your heart with worship and praise. And that's exactly what Anna does here. So look with me um, in verse 38. It says, And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God. Listen, when you are in God's presence and worshiping him daily, you won't miss a movement of God, okay? Here's what the text doesn't tell us, is how many other people were in the temple that missed it, okay? She comes up at that moment and instantly knows what's going on, and instantly praises. How many people in the temple that day missed what was happening? How many people in Jerusalem were going back and forth in front of the temple itself, busy about their day, completely missing the Messiah that had been promised for thousands of years? Okay? They're still just waiting, but they were so busy in their waiting, they missed it. Okay? Anna doesn't miss it. Why? Because when you are living a life of worship, when you are living a life Um, positioning yourself to encounter Jesus, you won't miss a movement of God. This scares me because it makes me think, I know there have been many, many years in my life in which I was not positioned to encounter Jesus, which leads me to wonder, how many times have I missed a movement of God? God was at work, okay? Listen, God is at work in this story. Jesus had already been born. God's plan was at work. It was at work with or without Anna, But because of her life of worship, Anna got to be part of it, okay? Even today, God's plan is at work right now. God is working with or without you. 
You get a chance to be part of it, though. And it's so scary how easy it is to miss a movement of God because we are not living our lives filled with worship. And Anna, I love it. She doesn't miss it, and she immediately praises. Now listen, I think this is a timely message for our souls, because I don't know about you, one of the most unworshipful times in my life is when I'm traveling, okay? Um, and so this past week, we spent a lot of time traveling and time with our families. We love our families. They're great. But they're, that does not create an atmosphere in which I truly worship. It really doesn't. And so last night as I was praying, it was shocking how unspiritual I felt just last night, okay? Because really you get so caught up in everything going on at this time of season. Then if Christmas actually comes, you get so caught up in the traveling and the doing and all that, that it's actually so easy to miss Jesus, okay? And so, has your Christmas been lacking in praise? Okay? Ask yourself that honestly. Has your Christmas been lacking in praise? And if it has, if the answer is yes, my suspicion is that you failed to encounter Jesus on his very birthday. Listen, if, if your life is lacking praise today, okay? I talked to someone after the first service and she said, I'm so glad I came. I almost didn't want to get out of bed today. You and me both. Okay, um, listen, uh, but we, in, we can encounter Jesus here today. Um, there are so many things that distract us away from that, and it's so easy to miss Jesus. Um, but listen, in our story today, look, Jesus' birth had already passed. This was 40 days after his birth. Anna missed the birth. She was not there, okay? 40 days later, his birth had passed, but the praise was just beginning. Anna was just the next person in the line to praise Jesus. Jesus' birthday for us may have passed yesterday, but I hope and I pray that his praise in our hearts is just beginning, okay? And so if you feel like you have missed Jesus this year, and you're like, I have not praised Jesus, and I have for sure not encountered Jesus, don't worry. Today, you can encounter Jesus. If you are here today, I believe you're in the right place at the right time because God's word is being spoken taught, and we can encounter Jesus here in his word, and it will lead us to praise, okay? So you may be one of those people here saying, I, I get what you're saying. I'm still not feeling very moved by it. I don't get what makes Jesus so praiseworthy. Well, we could spend all day talking about that answer, but let me just give you three things that I'd like to point out that make Jesus so praiseworthy. And I'm going to draw these from, if you've been reading along in our Advent book as a church, um, I'm just going to pull these straight from um, our book of your reading that you've done this past week. Um, they point out several things that make Jesus so praiseworthy, but I'm just going to point out the last three. The first thing it tells us is, Jesus is praiseworthy because he offers us a forgiveness greater than Joseph. He offers us a forgiveness greater than Joseph. Listen, Joseph offered a forgiveness to his brothers that was far greater than anything I probably would ever or will ever offer my siblings, okay? Um, first off, they haven't tried to kill me yet, so I don't have to. Um, Joseph offers incredible forgiveness in that story. We started that just a few weeks ago. Jesus offers us even greater forgiveness. 
If you're struggling to praise Jesus this morning, I don't think you've counted your sins and how much you need Jesus' forgiveness. So if you're here today and you have never asked Jesus to forgive your sins, you're at the right place at the right time, and you can make that decision today. Jesus offers you a forgiveness greater than anything you will find anywhere else in this world. And if you want Jesus to forgive your sins, if you are burdened by those sins, in just a few minutes, when we have our invitation, we're going to have pastors here at the front, and that forgiveness that Jesus has offered us, that is so praiseworthy, it can be yours if you just ask him to forgive you of your sins and give your life to Jesus. So um, in a little bit, when we have an invitation, you can do that. And listen, it will lead your heart to praise. For most of us, we're already believers, but we should remind ourselves what we've been forgiven of, a forgiveness greater than anything Joseph gave. The next thing we see is Jesus offers a salvation greater than Samson. Samson was, an, was set up to be an amazing savior of his people. He was given great strength. God even called him and asked him to save his people, and he did a terrible job of it. He really did. He used his strength most often for himself rather than to save the people of Israel. Jesus is not like that. Jesus was given far greater power than Samson, and he used it to save us from our sins. Jesus is a far better Savior than Samson ever was. And the other one we see is that Jesus offers us, well, Jesus is a priest better than Samuel, a priest greater than Samuel, okay? Samuel was an amazing priest. We studied him just a few weeks ago. Pastor Jeremy was preaching about him, but Jesus is far greater. You do not need a priest to intercede on your behalf to God because Jesus is already doing it for you. If you want to talk to God, you don't even need to talk through me. You don't have to talk through anyone. You talk through Jesus because he is a better high priest than anyone else you will find in this world. And if those three things alone do not lead us to praise Jesus, then we're not awake this morning, okay? You might be physically awake, but you're not spiritually awake if those three things do not lead us to praise and worship God. And that's exactly what Anna did. I don't know exactly the things that Anna said when she was praising Jesus, but I think those three things could have easily made her list as well. But here's the deal. We got one last point. Praise was not the end result. Okay? The encounter was not the end result, right? The encounter with Jesus instantly led her to praise And then it was not done until then she went out to tell other people about it. Point number three is proclaim. She took the praise and she went and proclaimed it to the world around her. She looked around her. She came and she praised Jesus. She looked around her and she saw a world that was not positioned in worship. She saw probably a temple full of people who were not positioned in worship. She saw a world outside of the temple gates that was not positioned in worship, and she went and told them about it, okay? We also find ourselves in a world where we can come, and we have amazing praise here on Sunday morning, and praise God we should. We, man, this has been so much fun today, praising God together, but it's not done here. We must go out and tell others, because we have an entire city around us that is not worshiping our Savior, And so we must go and tell them. Anna knew that she had to go tell them. She could not keep it to herself. She immediately goes telling everyone. Verse 38 says, And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. I don't think that was just that moment or that day. I think she spoke of that moment 
for all of her days. I think she told, for the rest of her life, she told people about that baby she met at the temple. And she said, let me tell you about Jesus. Listen, um, John Piper famously wrote in his book, uh, Let the Nations Be Glad. He said, worship, nope, nope, nope. Missions exist because worship does not. As long as there are people in our world around us who are not worshiping God, missions will continue. Our job, we come and we praise and we worship God, and then we allow that worship to propel us out into our communities. Listen, I do not believe that Springfield needs more pastors. I really don't. What Springfield needs is a whole lot more church members who come every Sunday morning and are filled with worship and praise and then go out into their worlds around them on Monday morning and cannot help but tell people about the Jesus that they encountered here, okay? Or the Jesus that they encountered when they were five years old or however old you were when you got saved, okay? What Springfield needs, we have a world around us who's not worshiping the Savior and they need us, to not be satisfied to just come here and enjoy church and worship him here, okay? That's good. That's point number two, but we're not done yet. They need us to go out into our world and tell others about Jesus and bring them so that they can worship. Don't bring them here to get saved and tell them about Jesus. You go tell them about Jesus, but then bring them here to worship God together because missions exist because worship does not, and we can be like Anna and be proclaiming that praise to the world that is watching you, and they are listening to what you're saying. Make sure you're saying the right things, okay? And so, in conclusion, listen, we've had a wonderful Christmas season. It's been, it's been great. Um, even here at Ridgecrest, we are so blessed. It's, it's been fun. Um, I, I love coming here to, to Christmas Eve service. Um, I, I have enjoyed worshiping and praising God this morning, but our job is not done here. We have praised well. I hope that you've encountered Jesus. But our job is to go out and to tell the world around us. The praise that begins today, I hope, carries throughout our entire next year. Anna didn't stop there that day at the temple. She continued to tell people about Jesus over and over and over. And so as we conclude today, <clears throat> um, if, if you haven't encountered Jesus you're at the right place and at the right time. You can come encounter Jesus right now and, and give your life to him for the first time ever. But, but I don't know about you. A, a lot of us here, myself included, can easily live days and weeks without encountering and experiencing the Holy Spirit inside of us and encountering Jesus. And if that's you, I just, I just invite you to pray there in your seat or come to the altar if you'd like even, but pray and ask Jesus and tell him that you want to encounter him fresh and new every day. You want your heart to be filled with praise, and you want your life to be proclaiming to the world around you. Those are prayers, I guarantee you, I pinky promise you, those are prayers that Jesus will answer. Those are prayers that are in line with his will, okay? If you pray and ask God to allow you to encounter him, to fill your life with praise, and to show you opportunities to proclaim that praise to those around you, God will answer those prayers. And church, I hope that's what we do this next year and for all the days of our life. And I love this example here of a faithful widow lady who showed us how to do that and led her to an amazing encounter of Jesus. Um, and I pray that we'll be doing that together. And so as our, as our band comes now, um, I pray that um, just even now, in this moment, God will fill our hearts with worship and praise. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us or get connected, visit ridgecrestbaptist.org.